we have been talking in recent weeks about what Jesus had to say to us and what the apostles have said to us about God's intention that we be one. And uh, we are going to, uh, next Sunday, start in another direction, but it's very much related to it. Next Sunday, we are beginning our fall special emphasis. If you haven't been a part of Calvary Community on any other fall, you, you don't know what we're talking about, but it is our practice to uh, have a special, special emphasis to read a book together, to, to, if we're not in small groups, to try to become a part of a small group and participate in a special study to uh, help us all become more like Jesus and be His faithful disciples. This year, the, the topic is going to be Love Like That, where the book is named Love Like That. It's written by Les Parrott, who is a professor at uh, Seattle Pacific College, or university, I think it is now, Seattle Pacific University. And, uh, and uh, um, he is a psychologist, but he also knows the Word of God, and he is bringing the two together to help us learn how to love. How many of you think that you do a good job of loving? I think most of you think you do a good job of loving. You don't know what's wrong with the rest of the world. <clears throat> if they'd just change, it'd be an awful lot easier to love them, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, most of us have a higher opinion of our loving than maybe we should, um, but Jesus wants us to love with His love, and so we're going to be learning how to be better lovers. That's the idea. So, uh, we want to love with the love of Jesus Christ. So, uh, you'll, later in the service, you'll be getting some information about that, but uh, that's where we'll be headed starting next week, and we'll do that in October and November. And hopefully that will be something that you find to be very helpful as you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But today we're going to return to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be reading chapter 4. I hope you have a copy of God's Word with you. Um, today is, uh, it's going to be, it's not hard to understand what the Scripture says in this passage we're going to read today. And so I hope that you have brought your copy of God's Word so that uh, what we're doing can be meaningful to you, uh, and more meaningful than just having sat here for a while and said, okay, I heard that, now, now I'll go off and live my life, but something that can be very practical for you in this coming week. Um, and um, I, if you don't have, if you have an electronic Bible that you're using, there's nothing wrong with those, except most of those you're using are online and not actually on your your device, and so you can't really take notes or you can't mark anything there. But I want you to take note and mark some things. So if you need, uh, there's, there's a little pad of paper back there. If you say, I don't have any way to do that, there's a pad of paper on that back table. I don't know who put it there, and I wondered earlier today, and I thought about moving it, and then I, as the service was progressing earlier, I thought, well, that can be of use to some people. You need to have something to mark down what the Spirit of God says to you today. And if you have your Bible, you can underline the part. You say, I don't ever write in it. It's the Word of God. It's special. Some of you, 
if we open it, you have so many notes and stuff in it, there's almost as much that you've written in there as what is the Word of God. And there's nothing wrong with either of those positions, but I believe that as we read His Word today, every single word, is the Spirit's not going to say, pay attention to that, pay attention to that. But I have a feeling, I have an expectation that at some point, the Spirit of God is going to remind you of something and you need to take note of it and live a different kind of life. Be transformed. He's going to talk about that in the Scripture that we read. So, we have seen as we've read through this book that God lavishly pours out His grace, His love upon everyone. Lavish. I'm not the one choosing to use the word. Paul uses the word lavish in chapter 1 to talk about the way God loves us all the time, whether we're aware of it or not. He is lavishing, pour, lavishly pouring out grace upon us. Then we saw that he says, the coming of the kingdom of heaven is about a restoration of all that is broken and fractured, and there's an awful lot of that in this world. Because when we choose to ignore God, then we cause breaks and fractures and relationships are broken and there is division. But he told us that Jesus Christ has come and torn down all of the dividing walls. Now we talk about love. A lot of people in our, our society today think that the meaning of the word love is acceptance. If you love me, you'll accept me period. Nothing following that. Just accept us. That is not what love is. Love wants wholeness. Yes, it starts with acceptance. But when the Father lavishly pours His love out upon us, He doesn't just say, oh, and aren't you a mess? all broken in pieces with broken relationships and wounds that other people have caused, wounds you've caused yourself. He does accept us that way because that's the way we are. But then he begins in his love to bring healing and transformation and wholeness. So love is way more, it's not acceptance, period. It's starts with acceptance and moves on to greater, even unexpected things. Last week as we read in Ephesians, we saw that Paul said he prays that the Lord's people is sensitive, having sensors that are turned on, sensors that are turned on so that we are aware of this lavish love of God that we're swimming in all of the time, whether we know it or not. And we talked about some ways for those sensors to be turned on. I hope you've been practicing that during this last week. Now we come to chapter 4. Chapter 4, he starts saying, so, We've talked about things that are very practical, but here is the nitty-gritty of what it looks like if you are going to live the life of the kingdom of heaven, accept the grace and love of God. Here's what it's going to mean for your life. 
So, I encourage you, if we come across something and the Spirit of God says to you, are you paying attention? I'd mark it so that during the week you can come back to this and look at it and say, this is where the Spirit of God has told me He wants to bring about some transformation, some healing, some wholeness in my life. So, am I following that? Here we go. As a prisoner for the Lord then, Paul was in prison when he wrote this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He's been talking about the calling of God, the grace of God. And so he says, now live like you've received that. Don't continue in the way it's been in brokenness and fractured relationships. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Here, did, did you get all the ones there? Okay, we didn't just flippantly choose one for what we're calling these sermons. It's every time, every week we have read, it has included the word one, and many times it has included it a number of times. So what Paul's saying here is there is one faith. There's one Lord Jesus Christ. There's not many. You can't make him up to be however you want him to be. There is one body. Now, we know because we've been reading and we've been studying the scriptures, we know that, that when he talks about body, he's talking about the church. There is one church of Jesus Christ, not one organization, not one building, but the people of God are the church of God, not some hierarchy, and there is only one. And the truth of the gospel, there is only one gospel. Next week, when we start reading in 1 John, we're going to see that John, who was the pastor at Ephesus, is writing a letter to his people, some of whom have said, John just keeps talking about the same thing over and over and over again, and we're tired of it. Besides that, we don't like it too well. So, we feel that God's not like that, like what John says, that God is like this. And so, we're going to separate us ourselves from John and his bunch, and we're going to have a church of Jesus Christ over here where we have a more enlightened and correct understanding of the gospel. And what you, we will see, I'm not going to preach next Sunday's sermon already, but what you're going to see is John says, 
I knew Jesus. I know Jesus. I lived with Jesus. Jesus is not some philosophical concept. Jesus is a person who walked on this earth, lived in Galilee. I lived with him. For three years I lived with him. And I followed him. I know Jesus. <clears throat> and so you can't make up who Jesus is. There's one Jesus, and I know him. And if you say, I don't agree with what John is saying, then you're saying, I don't agree with Jesus, because he says, I know him. You can't go make him up and go do something else. There's a lot of people in our world today who are doing that. They're saying, oh, you know, that Jesus in the Bible is rather old-fashioned. I don't like what it says, but I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to come up with some new enlightened way of looking at things. It's not a new idea. People were already doing it before the New Testament was even written. And Paul and John and the other apostles say, there is one gospel, there is one Lord. We know him. We're telling you the truth. That's who he is. So one. There is one thing that is the foundation. It hasn't changed since the beginning of the church, the beginning of the coming of the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. It has not changed. It's still the same message. It's still the same thing. And almost all Christians in the world use the creeds as, here is the statement of that gospel. And they use them in their worship. We use them in our worship. So just to remind us of the one gospel, one Lord that we serve, let's stand together and let's proclaim our faith in the one gospel, the one Lord, the one God. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of lights, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.
Amen. You may be seated. And so he sets this out as he's saying, diversity, fracturedness, division. That's not a part of the kingdom of heaven or life in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm well aware of what the church looks like in the world today. A lot of the reason the church looks the way it looks in the world today is the stubbornness and arrogance of human beings, not the mercy and grace of God. So it's sad. It's a sad thing. But that's talking about the church as institutions. The church as the people of God are not, it is not like the way the institutions are. There is one body. And so we come, not just here, but around the world, people gather as the church to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Not as an audience. Not saying, well, let's see if I get anything out of this today. But we come to Him to offer our thanksgiving and our gratitude we're not an audience, we are performers for Him together. And we're not just sitting next to strangers, we are one with them, He has said, and we love and we get to know one another to encourage and help one another as we live in this broken world because there's plenty that can discourage us. In fact, Paul goes on to talk about that. In the next few verses, he says, be mature. Don't stay in infant. Become mature, says. You are not, you've been on cruises. Some, you're not tossed about by, by the waves of life. Life can send you a tsunami sometimes. Some of you got hit by one this week. And he says, if you're mature, it's not going to wash you away. You have a stability that's not based on what the water's doing underneath you. And he says, not being blown about by every wind of doctrine, by somebody's teaching this over here, or somebody's teaching that over there, or he says, instead, you, you are committed to the one gospel. And so you don't get distracted. You live a steady, whole life. And then he comes to the last section here that we're going to read together where he talks about putting off the old way, the broken way of living and putting on a new self that is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness, a new self. Here's what I have found in my own life, and as a pastor, as people come and talk to me, I have found that, oh yeah, we want healing for some things, but some things we don't think they're all that broken after all. Jesus, I mean, you're getting a little extreme here. Relax a little bit. I don't want to get carried away on this wholeness thing. So you say this, pursuing this desire is going to bring brokenness. Well, but it's fun. It's not all that bad. So yes, please fix this stuff over here, but you know, leave that one alone. Or don't mess with this piece of my life, Jesus. I like it the way it is. 
Or don't tell me that this oneness, this wholeness, this end of fractured things has to do with that guy at work. I don't know what his problem is, but he has a big one. Jesus brings wholeness, and the only way you can have wholeness is if it affects the whole thing. You understand? So Paul is saying, put it all off. Just let... It's fractured. It's broken. You see this in many areas. The but he says, put it off. Don't save some of that old way of doing things. Allow this lavish love of God that's being poured out upon you to transform your life. Put on the new self that he wants you to have, a whole self, not a splintered, broken self. So as we are transformed by the grace of God, that's what he's doing. He's fixing the breaks, the fractures, making us whole. So let's look at this. There may be something as we read this. There may be something you need to take special note of, the underlying circle or something, and say, okay, Jesus, this week you keep reminding me I'm going to let you transform that piece and bring wholeness there, where I have not allowed you to do that in the past. So we're going to begin reading at verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Now what did they think of? Gentile, of course, is a person who's not a Jew. But what did that mean in their mind? What was the concept? It was that you do not continue to live as the people who have no understanding of God live. That's where we all were. He says, don't live like that anymore. They, how do they live? In the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Our hearts... That's a phrase that the Scripture uses when, when the spiritual sensors are turned off in a person so that they are completely unaware of what God is doing around them. And it says they have a hardened heart. We talked about it last week. We need to have the sensors turned on. We talked about ways that, that things that we can do that will begin to turn sensors on. So he says they have have hardened hearts, having lost all sensitivity, that means the sensors are off, they can't tell what's going on, having lost all, you were that way too, and so was I. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, 
which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Did you know that He wants to create you to be like Him in true righteousness and holiness? Kind of a shocking idea, isn't it? Are you willing to let Him do that? That's a part of being made whole. Say, that's a little extreme. Some righteousness is good, but let's not get carried away. No, no. He, he says, it's all or nothing. It's wholeness that I'm after. So Paul continues in verse 25, very practically saying, this is the way it will look. So is this the way your life looks? Is this the way my life looks? We need to ask ourselves. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, and speak truthfully to your neighbor? Some of you say, well, of course, I don't have any problem with that. But some of us have a problem with that, and we need to put it off. For we are members, all of us, of one body. In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. You ever done that? How many times did the sun go down before you decided to stop being angry? There have been quite a few sometimes for me. But that's not, that's the old life. That's not the new self. And do not give the devil a foothold, which is what we do when we say it's okay for me to be angry after what they did. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands so that they will be able to pay their own bills and get what they want instead of having to ask others. Oh, no, that's not what it said, is it? but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any... We'll be out of market there. That's a... We speak unkind words. We are ungrateful. We are cruel. Oh, not to people's face. Some of us would never do that to somebody's face. Only behind their back. Like that's better. That's the old way. You can't be one. You can't be whole, and you can't be one with other people. We can't do that if we're, if we're letting unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. Instead of unwholesome talk, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of. Okay, here's the list. You ready? Here's what we need to get rid of. All bitterness, rage, and anger, 
brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Do you know what malice is? Malice is thinking how to do evil to somebody. Now, that's what we're supposed to get rid of. But here's what we are to have instead. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. It goes on to say, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So, you see, this whole thing when Jesus talks about us being one, when the apostles talk about us being one, it's very practical and it changes the way we live. Not in minor ways. You may say, the world is not like that. Oh, of course it's not. That's the point. Well, it's not going to work to live like that in the, in the world. Yes, it is. It will work. In fact, living the kingdom of heaven life is going to be the way people live a lot longer than living the way the world lives in its fractured, broken way. That's all going to come to an end one day. The kingdom of heaven is going to cover all, and, and it is all that is going to be left. So does it work? Oh, absolutely it works. Well, might somebody take advantage of me if I live that way? They might. Then you can forgive them, just like God did you. So he calls us to be his body, the church, transformed, made whole. And Jesus gave us this meal we're about to receive to remind us of his lavish love that he poured out on us when we were broken, a mess, which he still pours out upon us. Reminding us that he wants us to be one with him, but also one with each other. It depicts for us his great gift of himself on our behalf, on the behalf of us broken, sinful people. And so we give thanks. It's called Eucharist, which is the, the Greek word for thanksgiving. So the name of this meal is Thanksgiving. We give thanks to God that he would choose to love us broken people and make us one with him and restore us to the wholeness he intended when he created us. So let us pray. And if you were aware of the Spirit of God talking to you about anything in your life, talk to him as we pray.
about that. And I would encourage you to put whatever it was off and let him replace it with the wholeness of the kingdom of heaven. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your astonishing love that we know we didn't deserve, that you chose us when we were still sinners and poured out love upon us, that your Son came when we were still sinners and allowed us to torture him. He gave his life as our covenant representative, taking our curse so that we could be set free from the brokenness and be made whole in him. As we've read about this together in these last weeks, our hearts have experienced joy and gladness and thanksgiving because of your grace. And now we share in this meal which Jesus gave to us to remind us of your lavish love. So we pray that as we eat and as we drink, we will indeed trust fully, putting off all that we understand needs to be put off and allow you to bring wholeness and healing. So we ask that you would send your spirit upon these gifts and make them to become for us the sacrament of the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who on the night he was betrayed took bread and said, this is my body which is given for you. And after supper, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. We remember his death for us his resurrection, and the eternal life of the kingdom of heaven that comes to us through that. And we know that one day he will come again as the king of glory, ushering in, the, in its fullness the kingdom of heaven. And we look forward to that with great anticipation. So we ask, that as we eat and drink today, every one of us will be aware of your great love. And may we leave this place more whole because of your grace than we were when we came in. We ask this. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, amen. moment we will stand, we'll extend your hands, they'll place us. We're not the hosts. Jesus is the host. And he offers this as a sign of his lavish, amazing grace to all, to any one who would follow him and be willing to put off the old self and allow him to bring wholeness and healing and restoration. So let us stand together and let us say the prayer together that Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 